You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Facebook reminded me on December 30th that in 2019, I clocked in at my retail job, put on my headset, and played the obligatory morning messages. There was one from my manager telling me what to expect in terms of sales volume and one from the corporate office welcoming us to the first day of 2020. They hadn't gotten the dates mixed up. December 30th, 2019 was the first day of 2020 in a way that once crashed Twitter for hours. My name's Moxie, and this is your Brain on Facts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When we think of the calendar, we think of it as singular and exclusive. That's why I just refer to it as the calendar. Sure, there were other calendars, but they were for old-timey people in old-timey places, right? If you've listened to this show before, you'll know I'm about to disabuse you of that notion. It's kind of my gimmick. The calendar we think of as the end-all and be-all of organizing time into little squares is the Gregorian calendar but it's just one of many that have been used and still are used. For example, at the time of this recording, it's the 27th day of the month of Tevet in the year 5782 for those who follow the Hebrew calendar. The Hebrew calendar, or Jewish calendar, first created in the year 10 CE was a lunar calendar, which will surprise no one who has ever had to Google when Passover or Easter are each year. A standard Jewish year has 12 months, 6 with 29 days, and 6 with 30 days, which gives you a total of 354 days for the year. This is because the months follow the lunar orbit, which averages 29.5 days. Due to variations in the Jewish calendar, the year could also be 353 or 355 days. As time went on, the shorter lunar calendar would result in holy days shifting forward in time from year to year. That simply wouldn't do for certain holidays that have to be celebrated in a certain season. Like Passover in the spring, Tu B'Shvat, the Jewish New Year for Trees, which needs to fall around the time that trees in the Middle East come out of their winter dormancy, or Sukkot, the festival that calls adherents to build and live in huts in their yard, which is meant to happen in the fall. So a 13th month had to be added every three to four years in order to make up the difference. Such a year is called Shana Mubaret, a pregnant year, and makes up for all of the lunar calendar's lost days. This month is added to Adar, the last of the 12 months and is referred to as Adar II in the years that it happens. Today, the Hebrew calendar is used primarily to determine the dates of religious holidays and to select appropriate religious readings for the day. Similar in format and usage is the Hijri calendar or Islamic calendar. The first Islamic year was 622 CE when the Prophet Muhammad emigrated from Mecca to Medina, 
which makes today, at least the day I recorded this, the 28th of Jumada, 1443. The Islamic New Year marks the journey of the Prophet from Mecca to Medina. However, the occasion and the sacred month of Muharram are observed differently by the two largest branches of Islam, Shiite and Sunni. Shiite pilgrims travel to holy sites to commemorate a 7th century battle, while Sunnis fast to celebrate the victory of Moses over an Egyptian pharaoh. Also known as the Persian calendar, it's the official calendar used in Iran and Afghanistan, and it's actually the most accurate calendar system going, but more on that later. Further east, you'll encounter the Buddhist calendar, which is used throughout Southeast Asia. Like other systems, the calendar doesn't stay in sync with the time measurement, but unlike the others, no extra days or months have ever been added. So the Buddhist calendar is slowly moving out of alignment at a pace of about one day every century. Today, the traditional Buddhist calendar is used mainly in Theravada Buddhist festivals and no longer has official calendar status anywhere. The Thai Buddhist era, a renumbered Gregorian calendar, is the official calendar in Thailand. The Buddhist calendar is based on an older Hindu calendar, of which there are actually three, Vikram Samvat, Shaka Samvat, and Kali Yuga. The Vikram Samvat is used in Nepal and some Indian states and uses lunar months and the sidereal year to track time. Sidereal means based on fixed stars and constellations, rather than celestial things on the move like planets. The Shaka Samvat used officially in the rest of India and by Hindus in Java and Bali, has months based around the tropical zodiac signs rather than the sidereal year. The Kali Yuga is a different kind of calendar altogether. It meters out the last of the four stages, or ages or yugas, the world goes through as part of a cycle of yugas, described in Sanskrit scriptures. The Kali Yuga began at midnight on February 18th in the year 3102 BCE. This is the final cycle within the four-cycle Yuga era. The first cycle is the age of truth and perfection. The second cycle is the age of emperors and war. The third stage is the age of disease and discontent. And the fourth stage, the Kali Yuga, is the age of ignorance and darkness. If you're worried because you've already missed like 5,000 years of the Yuga, don't fret. You still have upwards of 467,000 years left. You've invariably heard of Chinese New Year, so it won't surprise you that there is a Chinese calendar. According to this system, each month begins on the day when the moon is in its new moon phase. The beginning of a new year is also marked by the position of the moon and occurs when the moon is midway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. China uses the Gregorian calendar for official things, but still uses the Chinese calendar to celebrate holidays. Did you know there was an Ethiopian calendar? Bet you didn't. The Ethiopian calendar is quite similar to the Julian calendar, the predecessor of the Gregorian calendar most used today. Like the other calendars we've discussed, it's intertwined with the faith of its people. The first day of the week, for instance, called Ehud, 
translates as the first day in the Gies language, the liturgical language of the Ethiopian church. It is meant to show that Uhud is the first day on which God started creating the heavens and the earth. The calendar system starts with the idea that Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden for seven years before they were banished for listening to some suspect advice from a snake. Both the Gregorian and Ethiopian calendars use the birth date of Jesus Christ as the starting point for year numbering. What Eddie Izzard called the big BCAD changeover. Though the Ethiopian Orthodox Church believes that Jesus was born seven years earlier than the Gregorian calendar says. The Ethiopian calendar has 13 months in a year, 12 of which have 30 days, and the last month, Pagume, has five days, six in a leap year. Not only do the months have names like you're used to, but so do the years. The first year after an Ethiopian leap year is named the John year, followed by Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Gospels of the Bible. The 11th of September marks New Year's Day in Ethiopia. By this time, the lengthy rainy season has come to a close, leaving behind a countryside flourishing in yellow daisies. And that's fitting because the name of the first month, Enkutatash, means in Aramaic, gift of jewels. To celebrate, Ethiopians sing songs unique to the day and exchange flowers. And of course, there's plenty of eating and drinking. So what is this Gregorian calendar I keep bringing up? One could probably go their entire life using it and never hearing its name. The Gregorian calendar was first created in 1582 by Pope Gregory XIII, who made some changes to the previous Julian calendar. Okay, so what was the Julian calendar then? Well, it should shock no one that the Julian calendar was ordered by and named for Julius Caesar. By the 40s BCE, the Roman civic calendar was three months ahead of the solar calendar. The Alexandrian astronomer Sosigenes introduced the Egyptian solar calendar, taking the length of the solar year as 365 and one quarter days. The year was divided into 12 months, all of which had either 30 or 31 days, except February, which contained 28 days as our calendar does now except in a leap year when they added a day. But interestingly, the day they added wasn't February the 29th, it was February the 23rd, a second time. Though that conflagration of confusion would probably pale in comparison to what Caesar had to do to align the civic and solar calendars. He added days to the year 46 BCE until it contained 445 days. Unsurprisingly, when you try to make such a large change to the daily lives of so many people in the days before electronic communication, it took 50 years to get everybody on board. Now, Sosigenes math had been quite accurate for the time, but he had overestimated the length of the year by 11 minutes and 14 seconds. And 11 minutes doesn't seem like much in comparison to a year, but after, say, 1,500 years, the seasons on your calendar would no longer line up with the seasons of reality. That matters when your most important holy days have to happen at certain times of year, like I said before. Enter Pope Gregory XIII, who wanted to stop Easter, which had been celebrated on March 21st, 
from drifting any farther away from the spring equinox. Aloysius Lilius, and isn't that a fun name to say? Aloysius Lilius, the Italian scientist who developed the system Pope Gregory would unveil in 1582, realized that the addition of so many February the 23rds made the calendar slightly too long. He devised a variation that added leap days in years divisible by four, unless the year is also divisible by 100. There's an exception to the exception, which is if the year is also divisible by 400, the leap day is added regardless. While that formula may sound confusing, it did resolve the lag created by Caesar's earlier schema. Almost. Lilius's system was still off by 26 seconds. As a result, in the years since Gregory introduced his calendar in 1582, a discrepancy of several hours has arisen. We'll have some time before that really becomes an issue for the average person, though. It'll take until the year 4909 before the Gregorian calendar will be a full day ahead of the solar calendar. Math aside, not everyone was keen on Pope Gregory's plan. His proclamation was what's known as a papal bull, an order that applies to the church but has no authority over non-Catholics. That being said, the new calendar was quickly adopted by predominantly Catholic countries like Spain, Portugal, and Italy, major world players at the time. European Protestants, however, feared it was an attempt to silence their movement, a conspiracy to keep them down. Maybe by making it harder to remember when their meetings and protests were supposed to be, I'm not sure. It wasn't until 1700 that Protestant Germany switched over, and England held out until 1752. Those transitions did not go smoothly. English citizens didn't take kindly to the Act of Parliament that advanced their calendars from September 2nd to September 14th. There are stories, albeit apocryphal, of riots in the streets, people demanding the government give us our 11 days. However, most historians now believe these protests never really occurred or were greatly exaggerated. Some countries took even longer than Britain did. The USSR didn't convert to the Gregorian calendar until 1918, even later than non-Christian countries like Egypt and Japan. On the other side of the Atlantic from the British non-protests, meanwhile, when Julius Caesar reformed the calendar in 46 BC, he established January 1st as the first of the year. During the Middle Ages, however, European countries replaced it with days that carried greater religious significance, such as December 25th or March 25th, the Feast of the Annunciation. I didn't even Google that one, don't tell my mother. And all these different calendars we've been talking about have different New Year's days. The Coptic Egyptian Church celebrates the Coptic New Year on the 11th of September. The Coptic calendar is the ancient Egyptian one of 12 30-day months plus a tiny 5-day month or 6 in a leap year. The months retain their ancient Egyptian names which denote the gods and goddesses of the Egyptians. And the year's three seasons, the inundation, cultivation, and harvest, all related to the Nile and its annual flooding. But the Copts chose the year 284 AD to mark the beginning of their calendar. Since that year saw the seating of Diocletian as Roman Emperor, 
and the consequent martyrdom of thousands of Egyptian Christians. Apart from church celebrations, Copts celebrate the new year by eating red dates, which are in season then, believing the red symbolizes the martyr's blood and the white date heart their pure hearts. And also just dates are friggin' delicious. Bonus fact, you know that guy, Pope Francis? Not actually the Pope. His proper title, according to the Vatican's website, is Bishop of Rome, Vicar of Jesus Christ, Successor of the Prince of the Apostles, Supreme Pontiff of the Universal Church, Primate of Italy, Archbishop and Metropolitan of the Roman Province, Sovereign of the State of Vatican City, Servant of the Servants of God. Pope comes from the Italian Papa. Francis is the Sancta Papa, the Holy Father. The title of Pope belongs to the head of the Coptic Church. So if anyone uses the rhetorical question, is the Pope Catholic, to imply a yes answer, you have my authority to bring the conversation to a screeching halt by saying no, no he's not. Double points if you just walk away. And that's where we run out of ideas, at least for today. So how was the last day of 2019 also the first day of 2020? Modern American lives are governed by the Gregorian and the ISO week system, though many of us will never have to deal with the latter, because the Gregorian calendar doesn't divide up neatly into a whole number of seven-day weeks. So in the 1970s, the International Standards Organization created a calendar that would, with a year that always starts on a Monday. And the two calendars don't line up exactly right. Like in 2014, when Twitter discovered they'd programmed their dates with the ISO week system, which can be only a single character different from the Gregorian. At midnight one day, the date suddenly jumped 366 days forward, and the whole thing crashed. Remember, you can always find the source links and the script for the show at yourbrainonfacts.com. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.